it, it's hard to it's hard to know if somebody's bad at sex until you get in bed with them, you right? Did say that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'll take credit for that one. So what do you want to talk about first? Let's do uh, a little recap. A little recap of 2021, because that was a wild ride, yeah? Yep. Um, a little exhausting. Emotionally and physically. <laughs> I think it's probably the hardest we've ever had to work was 2021 to get our clients in contact. Well. Unless you were listing agent like Jensen. <laughs> I, I'm the I only one like running around. I went to <laughs> like a lot of golf outings. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I play a fair amount of golf. I'm not going to lie. But it, it was terrifying. I didn't close my first deal until March. Yeah. So there was that. Um, so there was a little panic that set in, but then I started to normalize a little bit and, um, you know, and then I was off to the races and through the rest of the year, it stayed pretty constant. I felt the market pump its brakes a couple times, yeah. which was the normal cyclical times of year, like back to school, um, and, Thanksgiving into Christmas kind of slowed down a little bit. But other than that, I mean, I think you were still kicking ass towards the end of the December, weren't you? Yeah. It stayed pretty – it was definitely the busiest I've ever stayed through the nine months. Yeah. Um, so. What's really interesting, uh, they gave us a stat at one of our meetings. And so we spent all year talking about how we don't have enough inventory, right? And what actually had happened was that we had the most homes listed for sale and closed that we've had since 2010. Yeah. And it's really that we had more demand than we've ever had before. But we actually had a very sufficient amount of supply for our normal market. It's just that our demand is so crazy. Do you feel like... The demand was created by our industry with the COVID restrictions and no overlapping showings and all of that. Yeah, I think some of it was a lot of our neighboring uh, states, which people probably don't even realize that real estate got shut down in those states. So we were lucky enough to be able to be in business. And I think everybody for the first time had their lives put on hold and they were sitting in their houses and realized that this is enough space when I'm not here. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. now that we're all working from home, we're doing school from home, we're crawling out of our skin, and there's literally nothing else to do but drink at 2 o'clock in the afternoon while we watch Mike DeWine and look at houses. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I, I literally had people that I put in their house at the end of 2019 and said, we don't, think we like this house as yeah. much as we thought we did and we went back out there and found them another house yeah so. which is a beautiful thing because in the past you really wouldn't have had that option you'd be trying oh. to break even and now we were hundred like percent they made eighty thousand yeah. dollars in one year of owning that home and then went and bought a beautiful house in a golf course community and i just checked in on them uh two weeks ago and they are happy as can be yeah 
And that's that's the American dream, right? You actually get to take that equity out of your home and move it into your next place. Where are you getting that return on investment anywhere else? Right. Like right. the stock market was up, but it wasn't up eighty grand on three hundred thousand. Right. <laughs> so. So yeah, no, I mean definitely, real estate is a, the best place to put your money right now. Um, I have people that are calling me saying, you know, stock market sucks. We we want to invest in. Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. Because we're growing so much. Yeah. And we're getting a lot of out of state investors because they're recognizing that as well. Yeah. So that kind of leads into the topic of appraisal gaps. So this is something that if people have been in the market in the last couple of years, they're very familiar with. But if you haven't, um, it's kind of a new and bizarre concept at first. So essentially, an appraisal gap is if you are offering. The house is listed at two hundred thousand. You offer two fifty. You're going to guarantee the seller some dollar amount or full amount of difference between what the house actually appraises for and what you have offered them. So if you offer two fifty, it appraises at two twenty. Then there's a thirty thousand dollar difference between your offer and the actual appraisal value, and you have either put I'll put $10,000 and cover that gap or I'll cover the full gap. So we never did that before, right? Because you're immediately upside down on a house. Well, let me ask you a question because you're involved in groups outside of Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. Do you hear about other um, agents outside our local market doing this? Uh, no, not really. Because yeah. yeah. I'm in contract in right outside of Cleveland right now, and I put in appraisal gap, and the agent called me and said, I don't know what this is. How bad, how, one, how bad is it in your market? Yeah. And two, can you please explain this to me? Yeah. So. Well, and I have uh, clients that are traveling, you know, moving out of state, and I've been helping with them, you know, when they have their house listed and talking to the agents that they're buying from, and they just think Columbus, Ohio, like, no, you don't understand. Our market is fire. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not going to have a problem selling this house. There's not going to be seven days on market unless I say there's going to be seven days on market because we set a showing time uh, deadline like that. So it is interesting to think about the different areas and their perception versus our reality of what we're dealing with in this market. Yeah. Do you feel like it's a good time to buy right now? So that's such a loaded question because it's, deeper than the surface level, which is everyone thinks, I don't want to buy right now, the market's too crazy, except for every year that you don't buy, every month that you don't buy, those houses you have your eye on increase in value, and something that you could afford last year, you can no longer afford probably, or that payment looks significantly different. I read a stat um, that said that the average U.S. homeowner last year made $56,700 in equity in their home by doing nothing, by just living. Yep. And so that's I, huge. I mean, so you know, if somebody was, oh, I've actually been had people tell me, oh, it's a terrible time to buy right now. Everything's, the, all the prices are inflated. I'm like, well, I bought six months ago. And I'm, a, you know, perceived as an expert in my field. So, and I also think that your stat is exactly right because I would probably say I would put my house on the market for close to a hundred thousand more than I paid right. 
six months ago, and that's nuts. Yeah, and that's why these appraisal gaps, while they seem daunting at first, you know you're overpaying for the house. Next year, you will have gotten a deal on that house. Yeah. So there's some skin in that game, but we are at such a shortage of supply that there really isn't skin in the game. Well, and then let's talk about appraisal waiver because I did so well on selling my house that I put so much down on buying a house that the bank was like, yeah, we don't need a new appraisal because we're protected. Yeah. So that's another... You know, I did write in, you know, full gap, but, you know, the agent was not concerned. Yeah. And neither was the lender. The lender was like, psh. It's wild that we're talking about stuff like this. So the other reason that you've got to buy now, it's because interest rates are going up. We have been at crazy historical lows. The Fed announced yesterday, I saw the headline, um, they predict one full point raise by July. So we're at 4.01 I saw yesterday. Mm-hmm. Not that I can quote interest rates, but if I could, that's what I read. Right. Um, and I saw the 52-week low was 2.91%. So we already missed that. And now we're at 4. Last week we were at 3.85. So if this goes to 5. So at $360,000 mortgage... At 3% interest rate, so last year, that payment was $1,500. At 4, it's $1,700. And at 5, it's $1,900. of difference. So if they're projecting a full point increase by July. July. Mm -hmm. So that would put us at 5. And that is... But I, I mean, when I took my mortgage out in fourteen on my last house, I mean, I did a, I did a fifteen year at four point one, and I thought I was killing yeah. it. So, yeah, you know, I mean, five is still historically low. Yeah, no, we just, we'll, we will adjust. It's just, it's so affordable for somebody to afford a house right now. Yeah. Except for there's no houses for them to buy. So that's why we got to get the wheel moving, though, because people, I think, are hesitant to list because they don't know where they'll go. But there are total solutions for this problem. You're in the driver's seat this year as the seller, and you can ask for time after closing to find suitable housing, and that's a completely realistic and reasonable request. Yeah, like I'm working with a reload right now, and they don't have to be here till April, so they're totally comfortable leaving letting the people stay until they find something as long as they find it by the end of April. Yeah. So on the topic of reloads, we have this whole new mini Silicon Valley happening in New Albany now. We just brought in Intel, $20 billion project. Like, I don't even, like, I would have to really think about how I many zeros are in You can't fathom that. <laughs> I mean, that's so much money. A, yeah, we, yeah. I would like to put my hands on $20 billion. I, I think, you know, I think there's FU money, <laughs> and then there's that kind of money. Yeah. It's like, what's the next letter of the alphabet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would F with $20 billion, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, and without hesitation. Yeah, no. Um, but that is bringing in 7,000 construction jobs and 3,000 permanent jobs just from Intel 
and we have announcements like that happening nonstop. Yeah. Our growth is impressive. We're like the new Austin, Texas, maybe? Yeah. We're kind of weird. Yeah. But. Probably not weird enough to be Austin, but. Well, but in, in regards to the, you know, Austin is a lot of people that are leaving L.A., right? Yeah. Um, well, now I'm getting calls from investors in California going, I hear it's great to invest in Columbus, Ohio. Um, we want to put our money there instead of the stock market. So, yeah. like, how? what do we do? Well, there's no houses to buy. Um, we were just talking. There's 17 houses in Gahanna schools. There's 13, and these are just not houses. These are listings. Like, of the 13 houses in New Albany, one is 3.5, one's 2.6, and then there's several that are new construction. Like, yeah. that's not attainable. Like, one, if it's new construction, it's not ready to go. It's not ready to buy. And then the other price points are not attainable for most people. Yeah, uh, which is really interesting because those 3,000 jobs at Intel are listed as six-figure jobs now. Mm-hmm. So New Albany is obviously makes sense for someone like that, but there's there's nowhere to go. Yeah, but still there's um, five houses under six hundred thousand. Yeah, of those thirteen. So I mean, six figures only gets you so far. Right, right, especially with interest rates ticking right. up. And then, and then we learned property the taxes. hard way that's going to cost you four hundred dollars a month. Yeah. And property taxes, you know, taxes are high everywhere, yeah. especially in Ohio. Um, but, you know, that's – my property taxes are equal to my mortgage payment. Yeah. Yep, mine are too. So, so that, that's a factor in somebody. But then if you want schools, you know, that's where you're paying the premium and the, and the property tax as well. Yeah. So – well, overall, what's really interesting, again, going back to that original fact, is that we keep saying there's no houses, but we are having the highest number of closings. It's just that we have this demand, yeah. and it's not going to slow down. They, uh, Morpsey projected 3 million residents by 2050. In 2010, we were at 2.2 million. So we got to put all those people somewhere. And we got to get transportation figured out too. Yeah. Although with work from home, I wonder if that's going to be as big of an issue. As I mean, yesterday. it's not the 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 deal I referenced uh, right outside of Cleveland. Um, she works for AEP here in Columbus, mm-hmm. but she knew that the homes were more affordable, and uh, she went to Case Western, and she was, you know, up near her friends, and she's just chilling and working from home, and but her her job is here in Columbus. Mm. So. You're hearing more and more of that, I guess. Yep. I have friends that have left Manhattan and and come back home to be near family and right. friends and not pay Manhattan pricing. Right. But get that Manhattan wage. Yep. I like that play. That's a good yeah. play. No, that is, it's <laughs> a that good gig if you can play. get it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what do you think? What do you think going into this year? What do you think we're going to see? I'm not going to let this market bully me. Yeah. I'm going to get out there and... You know, let people know there's bridge financing. There is 
you know, letting, you know, putting in the remarks that you need two months, you know, to find suitable housing and then, you know, making a plan. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how you do it. And I think a key part of that plan to win in this market needs to be to work with an experienced agent that has their pulse on the market all day, every day. 100%. It's going to be critical because yeah. it's, this is, this is tough and this is not, this is for people that are really invested but I, and if I, you want to win. And I hate to like bag on our industry, but what we've gone from like 7,000 to almost 10,000 in like the last, what? Two yeah. years? Well, again, everybody was at home, and we were all looking at houses. Yep. Oh, I can do that. <laughs> we all like HGTV. It's fun. I get it. Hey, look, um, I'm this guilty. This is the biggest investment anyone will ever make in their life. Most normal people. Yeah. Not Intel. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, and you can't mess around with that. No. You can't do somebody a favor to throw them some business. You've, you've got to take it really seriously, and you have to make sure that you are getting the best advice possible because while it seems that you just throw a house up and everything works itself out, the terms, the negotiations, the pricing is all so, so important to maximize your dollars because – while you still may get $20,000 over asking price, what did you leave on the table? And was that worth doing someone a favor to throw them a bone when they weren't experienced? 100%. But wh- how does somebody know that the person that they're working with is experienced? I mean, mm-hmm. most people don't vet their realtors, no, especially right. if they're buying. Yeah. They don't interview multiple agents. Yeah. And what did I just say? It, it's hard to... S- it's hard to know if somebody's bad at sex until you get in bed with them, you right? You didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'll take credit for that one. You did <laughs> say that. <sighs> but it's true. Yeah. Yeah, it is true. And luckily, in your scenario, I guess you just get out of bed and do the walk of shame. But in mm-hmm. real estate, you left fifty grand on the table with bad terms, mm-hmm. and also you completely wrecked the relationship with that person that you had because yeah. <laughs> you hate them when it's over you realize well, you made a mistake or if you overpaid and you and you did gap and do and like yeah you didn't do any homework right yeah so when i'm saying that that you can gap and you will recoup that money that's within reason right, right. we still need to be having our hand on the pulse of that neighborhood of that market to know exactly what we can project reasonably it will appreciate at so that we're making that appraisal gap be something realistic. You can't just be negligent with that and throw money at the wall because you will end up in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and I mean, while we're on the subject, we should talk about uh, waiving um, inspections because that's what can really kill you. And, you know, some agents will tell you that you have to do it to get in contract, no. but it's such it's such a bad move. It's such a bad move. And I'm not saying that I haven't done it, but it was at the advisement of my client and I just said, "Hey, look, it's it's you. I can't I can't advise that, but if if you're okay with it, then you have to be okay with your decision." Yeah. I tell all my clients that this is the thing that's happening, and I am never going to advise you to do that. It's a completely terrible idea. Um, you almost have to buy it as is, so you're 
have the right to an inspection, but mm-hmm. you know, you want to go in and know what is going on in that house and be willing to take it on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you you need to be aware of what you're dealing with and waiving that right is dangerous. So how do you overcome that when you know you're up against inspection waivers? Um, I think that you overcome it with, first of all, knowing the other offers that you're up against, having a conversation with the other agent, having a relationship with the other agent is huge, which is why we're both involved in the industry because we have relationships with these agents, which pay off for our clients. And then you make moves to protect the seller. You're the buyer, but you need to protect the seller. They need to be able to take a risk with you. You need to put substantial earnest money in. Maybe that looks like a $1,000 non-refundable deposit because are you willing to put some skin in the game if the house is crumbling? Right. You don't want to take on a $300,000 money pit. I'll gladly give up a thousand dollars to not take that but the the sellers should be compensated for their time off market there's got to be um some recognition for what the sellers are giving up basically 100 percent. and you know going back to market i mean it it's detrimental to the seller um you know, I just saw one go back on market, and it looks cute as hell. Like, why did it go back on market? Yeah. So either something's wrong with it. I mean, this is just where my brain goes as as representing a buyer. Is either something's wrong with it, or the the deal was so ridiculous that the buyer got cold feet, and they used the inspection to get out of it. Yeah. And that's what's causing these inspection waivers. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Holding you accountable to purchasing the home. I do feel like, though, in 2020, we had a ton of deals blowing up after inspections um, because people were getting cold feet. They were over-offering, and they weren't comfortable with it, and they were getting swept up in the moment and not sleeping on it. Um, You didn't have time to sleep on it, though. Yeah, no. And then we started doing these highest and best through the weekend, not responding till Monday. People are now sleeping on it overnight. I think that's like the best policy. People need to sleep on these decisions because sometimes they flake out on Monday morning and I'm like, good, I'm glad you did it now mm-hmm. before we went into contract. Mm-hmm. That literally just happened to me this week. Yeah. And it's like, goodbye and good riddance. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Um, but in 2021, I feel like I saw less of that happening because people were just so glad that they actually finally got in freaking contract. And they were like, when, when, when will I get in contract again? I've been looking for three months. Yeah. And so there's a little bit more um, pressure on buyers now to uphold their end if they ever want to get in. A house. Right. No, I agree. I mean, I'm kind of okay with rate raises to maybe normalize the market, maybe take some of the people out yeah. of the game. I mean, there's still going to be plenty of buyers. Uh, it's still going to be a, a seller's market for the foreseeable future, yeah. I, I I think, in my opinion. No, totally. I uh, Next week we have an event called our Joint Industry Forecast. It's an economic forecast with Dr. Ted um, from Texas, and he is has the best delivery of the most interesting information. So I'm very excited to hear what he has to say. I'm sure it'll be pretty in line with what we have, but he's going to have some interesting out of market 
uh, occurrences. I remember sitting in uh, the joint industry forecast in January of 2020, and he said, this market is going to be crazy. The only thing that could derail it is there's this virus going on in China. That's the only thing that could derail it. And sure as shit, two months later, um, everything shut down. And, and luckily for us, our market started booming. But like we said, a lot of states were not considered uh, essential businesses in real estate. Yeah. So that, that that was huge. No, he and I don't know if you know this, but um, I wasn't in the market yet. I got my license in 2008, but I heard in 2006 or seven he predicted the crash of 2008. Yeah. So yeah, guy, he's good at what he does. The guy knows his shit. Yeah. And we are fortunate to have him mm-hmm. every year. Um, and we're back in person with a virtual option this year. So I'm really excited to be there and hear from him. And we'll give you a little update about what he says, too, because that's always fun. And hopefully we can update you from Florida. Oh, yeah. One week. We're in Florida oh in God. one week, oh Brian. It is. I know. I woke up this morning and I was like, oh, my God. It seems like it's like a month away still. I know. So we've got our Keller Williams conference in Orlando. We are going to learn a lot. That event, I am always so pumped when I leave that event. Like it's the content, your brain is completely full, you're exhausted every night. But these people are, they're speaking for a reason and it's wild. It's crazy to see agents that ball out so hard. Yeah. Like you think you're doing well and then you're like, wow, I'm like. It'll definitely take take, take you down a peg. I got to get my life together. Yeah, so. All right, let's bring it home. All right. Predictions for the rest of this year? I think we're going to keep steamrolling the way that we have. I think that rates are going to take people into lower price brackets than they were initially looking. And as that pinch starts to happen, I'm going to think we're going to see more buyers and listings come to market because people are trying to move ahead of those rate changes. And then I think we're just going to get used to it because that's what happens, right? There's always, uh, you got to get used to the temperature difference Mm -hmm. at first and then it will regulate. And and I don't think that we're going to see any kind of slowdown though. There's just too much demand. Yeah. Especially with these people coming from Silicon Valley, they see our price points here and they're like, okay, let's do it. And then there's still, I mean, you still have your, you know, your divorces, your marriages, your, your babies, you know, the <laughs> things that naturally change people's housing situations. Yeah. And so there will be more mar- houses on the market. Always. Um, and we'll just, uh, you know, let's be the, the ones that get those listings. Yeah. So. All right. All right. Good cool. chat, friend. Well, until, until we meet again. Yeah. Let's All crush right. it. Okay. All right. Thank you.